Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Scoop radio on your airwaves, on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast. On Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopyRadio.com. And on the line right now, there's a, an NBA champion. On the line right now, we have Devin Brown. If you guys are tardy to the party, my man won a championship with the Spurs back in 2005. Devin, welcome to Scoop B Radio. Scoop, thanks for having me. Uh, hello to the world. Um, but most importantly, thank you for having me on your Radio show. Of course, man. I, I I remember. So, funny story. When you were playing for the Spurs, um, I turned on the TV. I'm in college. And me and my friends say, yo, since when the young Chris from the Young Guns play for the Spurs? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've also had... People say I look like Usher. There's a lot of people um, around the world in the stands yelling a lot of different things at me. Uh, my teammates and I just started, you know, it was funny. And uh, it's going to happen. So uh, we had a good time with it, definitely. You kind of, uh, if I may, you were kind of like the Jeremy Lin before Jeremy Lin. Uh, you were the D-League champion or D-League most valuable player uh, in 2003. Uh, right. D-League first team, you went on draft in 2002. Uh, do you appreciate your journey more because you had to work so hard to get to where you had to get? Or uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, because, you know, 
coming out of high school, you know, I had, you know, I had some offers uh, to some pretty good colleges, but I was more, you know, wanting to stay close to home. So obviously I chose UTSA. Um, I had, you know, a teacher in high school tell me, you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Uh, so that always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, when I got down to the D league, uh, I was under Jeff Capel, a legendary coach mm-hmm. out of North Carolina. Uh, and I'll tell you what, he, he sat down with me. We sat down every day after practice. We talked before practice. Uh, and he just told me, he said, you know, there's a lot of people that are looking at you. Um, and there's no doubt that you'll play, but what you do here is very important to get there. So getting extra shots up. You know, being the first one to practice, um, driving the van, because we had a van that, you know, it was one van, you know, for like 12 or 13 guys. So, I mean, it was, you know, you had, we had different guys responsible for running guys back and forth, because it was probably about a 15 to 20 minute ride from the apartments that we were at uh, to the practice site. So, you know, we had, you know, different guys that were in charge of running guys back and forth. Um, so it was, it was a lot of responsibility. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, when you run out of that tunnel at the highest level, it, it's all worth it. Scoopy Radio on the line with NBA champion Devin Brown. After playing for the Spurs, is a 2003 Summer League team. Brown signed with the team for the third time. Uh, you appeared in 58 games for the Spurs in 2003-2004. And you logged major minutes uh, as the season progressed that year. Uh, and you played in Game 6 of the Western Conference semifinals against the Lakers. Right. Uh, tell me what that experience was like. Uh, I'll tell you what, the Lakers had a heck of a team with, you know, obviously Kobe and Shaq, but, you know, Gary Payton, Carl Malone, Devin George, Derek Fisher, all those guys. And, I mean, you know, you look at it a year or two before that, when all those guys were, you know, in their prime in the NBA and, you know, you're at home watching those guys and out actually be out there on the floor against them, you know, trying to hold them back from winning another title. Uh, it's, it's all life experiences, uh, especially playing in San Antonio, uh, being a local kid. Um, those are all things that I'll cherish. Um, and I mean, as far as the game, I mean, it was a pretty intense series, pretty intense game. And, you know, Obviously, Pop trusted me to try and stop one of the you know greatest players that ever played the game, um, which is a whole nother uh, task in itself. But just to be out there and um, you know trying to help you know the Spurs you know win a championship was something that I'll cherish the rest of my life. Tell me something. You, we, we talked about the Lakers. You played against them in that super team in two thousand three, two thousand four. You had Kobe, Malone, Peyton, Shaq. And then you also played against the uh, the Detroit Pistons in 2005. Oh, yeah. uh, when you look at Kobe Bryant in the finals when they played Detroit, and you having played against uh, one Tayshaun Prince, do you think that people did not give Tayshaun Prince enough credit in the finals and on, on defense against Kobe? Or do you think Kobe was just off his game? No, you, you, uh, I'll tell you what, and not only was it, um, you know, Tayshaun Prince's responsibility, you know, maybe he started off on Kobe, but the one thing that you have to give Detroit, um, credit for having played against them is they communicated really well. And I'm talking not just the bad guys with Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace. I'm talking about Chauncey 
you know, knowing the scouting report, knowing what he likes to do, telling him, you know, telling Tayshawn, send Kobe my way, whether he was right or left, send him my way. Hey, you got Rip on the other side. Rip's communicating uh, with, with Tayshawn Prince. You got the two Wallaces in the back communicating with them. So Detroit did a great job of just with that unit, letting them know where everybody was. So, yes, Tayshawn should have probably got more credit, but I'll tell you what, Detroit's team defense as a whole is what really, um, you know, got them through that series. 2005, uh, you were on a Spurs team um, that went to the finals, um, and you had guys like Manu Ginobili, uh, Tim Tim Duncan, Robert Ory, uh, and more. You guys did beat the Pistons in, in that series, and, and you know you you saw the most minutes in Game Four um, against the Pistons. Uh, they lost, but nonetheless, you guys won the championship. You right. talked about the Pistons. When you talk about Chauncey Billups, what makes him so special? Because I feel like he was a late bloomer, just like you. But you ended right. up you you guys retired champions. What about Billups? Makes what do you think makes him special? Well, you know, the thing that makes a guy like Chauncey Billups special is, you know, you, you play your first, and guys do that. You know, obviously, you know, the, you give credit to LeBron for what he's done throughout, you know, his career. But guys like myself, guys like Chauncey, it's not always going to be an easy road for you. You're going to be on one team, and it may not work out. You may be on another team. But what you do is you stay with it, and you find your niche. And that's what Chauncey did with Detroit. Um, and Chauncey was one of those guys, you knew if the guy that was guarding him did not know the scouting report and you fell for that dribble in transition, he was going to pull up that three on you. And he liked to hit that three whenever Detroit was up six, up eight, because now that three puts him up nine, puts him up 11. So Chauncey had a strategy about a lot of those threes that he took um, and then his post game later on in his career, um, if he if he got that butt on you, he was going to back you all the way down and get a layup and an and one. So Chauncey really developed his game, and it was a perfect fit with Larry Brown. And you know, so you, you have to give a guy like Chauncey credit because you know whatever he got criticized for the first couple of years uh, in the league, he definitely worked on it, got better, and found his niche and was able to uh, become you know, one of the uh, top point guards in history. Scoopy Radio is on the line with NBA champion Devin Brown talking hoops, talking the Spurs, talking a myriad of things. And one thing I don't want to leave out is you are actually working with a sports agency. I am. I am. Um, you know, I'm down here in San Antonio. Um, our group is uh, Fundamental Sports Management. Uh, we're new. Um, we're getting a lot of great looks. Um, we're, you know, we're, we're getting after it. Um, the same intensity that I brought on the court is, uh, what I'm bringing now into the office environment. So, uh, we're definitely, you know, we're out there, we're all over the place. Um, and we're just looking to, uh, you know, get guys that are, are talented. Um, and it's not only, not only your big names, uh, because I did, I wasn't a big name, but I'll tell you what. I got an opportunity. I took advantage of it. Had a heck of a career, and so we're looking at you know not only you know top guys, the middle of the road guys, or guys that just want to play at that level, that are going to bring the hunger for the game, 
And uh, that's definitely that, you know, something that we can help you out with as far as uh, achieving your NBA goal. So you were a guy that was a role player on the, on the bench with the Spurs and, and it started at times as well. Right. In the office, who, who are you? Are you more Duncan? Are you more Coach Pop? What's your role in the in the, in the ages? What's in the <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna tell you what. I'm I'm 20. If you want to, you know, use the Spurs, I'm I'm 25% R.C. Buford. I'm 25% Pop, and I'm 25% uh, Tim Duncan. So I I, I I I like to do it all. Yeah, I like to do it all. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I feel like. Uh, you know, we have a, obviously we have a great team, you know, around us. Um, and, you know, there's just certain, you know, areas that, you know, I want to take the lead. There's certain areas you fall back a little bit. And then there's, you know, as a whole, we're just trying to get this thing done together. Scoopy Radio on the line with Devin Brown. I had your former teammate on the Scoopy Radio podcast over the summer. Um, and I asked him who was more difficult to play with, uh, Coach Popovich or Phil Jackson, and he said, "In quote, the hardest coach was Pop. Pop was one of those guys who will have a million plays, and I'm like, what are we doing, man? We've got a million <laughs> plays, and he'll run, and then won't run it again until five games later. He said, but Phil and Pop were so similar in the fact that they stressed defense, and they liked running their systems to a T. Even though Phil had more athletic guys where he could venture off from running the system, Pop had a bunch of robots that would run the system and lull you to sleep, and the next thing you know, they got a bucket. And, you know, so when you look at that, not necessarily commenting on his situation, but when you look at Pop, what are your what are your uh, recollections of playing under him and his system? I'll tell you what. Let me make it easy for you, all right? When I was with San Antonio, if they run a play and you're not familiar with it and you catch it and everybody's looking at looking at you like, what are you doing? Just throw it to number 21 and cut hard, okay? Now, if they run a play and you're in the wrong position, yet you're open, shoot the three, all right? Uh, that's about as simple as I can be, you know, because, yes, there are a ton of plays, okay? And uh, Pop's so detailed with it that – if he knows, and they and the, they usually do this, teams will scout games five games in advance, okay? Oh. So if he knows that there are people there watching, then guess what? He's not going to run anything that he's going to give away. So when you play that team later on, and he has a whole other section of the playbook that no one's even seen yet, then he's going to use that. So... You know, and and oh, and I'm not even going to talk about you know down the stretch and going into the playoffs because that's a whole nother you know playbook. So, pop, yes, it it looks like you're running the same stuff, but there there's a lot of uh, counter plays out there. A lot of the terminology may be the same, but it's different reads. So you know, you know, pop the you know pop has his he's been around a long time and he does a great job of disguising things. He may say the same plays, but they don't mean the same, if that makes sense. Is Greg Popovich the Bill Belichick of the NBA? I'd have to think so. Um, And and I'll just go by what's going on this year. Nine new players on the Spurs. Nobody knows these guys. If they were healthy, I think two or three of the guys that have stepped up, you know, this year would not even be playing the major minutes that they're playing. 
But what happens? Pop doesn't look as as, uh, any kind of excuse. And I can guarantee you in practice, when he's screaming and yelling and going over film, he's saying, I don't care who's on the floor. We just need five guys out there. And of the five guys that are going to be out there, if you execute and do the things that we ask, we'll be successful. And that's what they're getting done this year, you know? And so you, you have to say that – and then, you know, the same thing with the Patriots. I mean, they're picking up guys that nobody wanted, and they're going back to the Super Bowl. And that's, that's almost the same script that the Spurs are doing. When you look at Tim Duncan, um, Dr. J. Julius Irving was on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and um, he told me um, that Tim Duncan uh, is an all-time top ten player. And when people start ranking and start saying who's better and who's that, you get into fights. Um, when you look at Duncan, where do you place him in your in your list of, of greats um, that you that you've watched both as a fan and, and as a player? Well, I'll tell you what, um, he definitely uh, is number one as far as all time, you know, at the uh, power forward position. And I, and I don't say that to, you know, disrespect, you know, Carl Malone because I have caught an elbow from him <laughs> and I don't want to get another one because uh, that's, that's nothing pretty. But the thing I'll say about Tim is – he doesn't get a lot of respect when you talk about top five players, you know, of all time. Um, but the man does have five rings, um, and he did it, you know, his way, uh, low key. Uh, there were so many times, you know, sitting on the bench with guys like Kevin Willis and Robert Ory, and all of a sudden, you know, one of those guys will just look up and they'll say, "Damn, Tim's got twenty five and 20? And we've been sitting there watching the whole time, and you, you wouldn't see it because he was just he just go about his business. He you know he's just out there playing, and and he's playing well, uh, you know, almost all the time. And and he just he just did it his way, and you know it was it, it was just it was great to you know be a part of that. But you know I I, I definitely in my top five in my personal top five he he he's there, you know. Um, and I mean, you, you just, you just can't take away what he's done. And I know that, you know, people are going to say, well, he's from San Antonio and this and that. No, I, I understand that. Um, but you know, five championships on a, on a small market team, uh, that's something to be very proud of, you know, whether I was from San Antonio or not. So, uh, he, he's definitely in my top five. Um, and like I said, I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, sound like a San Antonian, but uh, he's definitely in my top five. Who are your other four? Uh, I would definitely, I would definitely put. Uh, you you got to put Bill Russell in there. You know, you got to put Magic in there. Uh, you got to put Kobe in there. Um, and you know what? Oh man, can we split Shaq and David Robinson? Just because you know I do live here in San Antonio. Uh, yeah, but what about Mike? <laughs> but what about Mike? Oh Lord, I left Mike out, huh? <laughs> so we can start from the beginning. You got Tim Duncan, obviously. That's one. All right, then we'll go with uh, wow. We'll go with MJ. Mm-hmm. We'll go with Magic. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Larry. 
five. We'll have what we'll do is we'll have yeah, we gotta have well no. Magic can handle the ball. Uh-huh. And then we got MJ at the two. Yeah, Larry at the three. Timmy. Uh we need a big guy. You said Shaq and David. I know, but we can't split them. <laughs> and I think that's the problem. I think that there are so many great players. Right. Potential, you can't have just one. No, you can't. Because even even if you, let's say you take Magic out of there, you put Kobe in there. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can't do that. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty good debate. I mean, that's that's a, that's good. Scoop be right on the line with Devin Brown. And you took mentioned being from San Antonio. What is your early? For me, I've been a fan since '91. Uh, right. I started in radio in '97 with the Nets as a kid, but I fell in love with Michael and the Bulls. Um, for you, well, well, let me just say this: I remember paying attention to the Spurs when Larry Brown was the coach and then Pop took over and then the Rodman trade happened. What are your earliest record what are your early recollections of the Spurs as a kid growing up in San Antonio? Oh well, I mean it's crazy. Um that ninety eight, ninety nine season, my sister, my younger sister, was uh, a ball girl for the Spurs. Um when they were at the Alamo Dome. So you know, we were pretty much going to a lot of games. Um, and so I remember Sean Elliott hitting the, when he barely kept his uh, heels off the line, hit that, hitting that three. Jaron Jackson shaking his head up and down the court. Dominique Wilkins, when he played, um, you know, obviously that was a young Timmy. Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson went to Southern University. I think everybody knows that, but that's mm-hmm. where my mom, you know, went to college at Southern University. So there's, remember all that. Um, I just remember Pop had a lot of hair back then. Um, who else? I mean, guys like Derek Anderson, Vinny Del Negro. Ume Blob, a lot of people probably don't remember him. Dwayne Shinskis. Uh-huh. But my my early impressions of the Spurs were just that they were the biggest thing in town. And whenever they were winning, the loyalty that the fans showed, whether it was winning or not winning, uh, those are all things that stuck out of my mind. And then as a, here's a crazy fact that, you know, a lot of people don't know is as a player, just regular season games, when you arrive at the airport, there might be 500 to 1,000 people there waiting, cheering you on. And that's in the regular season. Now, obviously, the numbers are going to jump up as you win a very important playoff games. But that's one thing that always has stuck out to me about San Antonio fans is they're not too hot. Well, they and not too cold. Even if the the guys aren't winning, they're still going to be there. They still love them. Uh, San Antonio does a great job, you know, when you're going to grocery stores or 
anywhere they see you out. They're real respective. They say hi. They say good luck with the season. And it's not anything where you get bombarded by a ton of people. And that's that's a lot of that's a lot of respect that I have for you know the people of San Antonio. I like it, Scoopy Radio on the line with Devin Brown talking about his Spurs days and reminiscing about his early days being from San Antonio and being a fan. I, I wrote an article um, some years ago uh, talking about the pressure of being the hometown guy and winning a championship uh, for the hometown team. Uh, right. LeBron James being from Akron. Uh, about 20, 30 minutes from Cleveland. He won a championship for the Cavs uh, in 2016. Uh, couldn't from behind a championship win, mind you. Um, even though you play a role with the Spurs, right. is, was there a pressure as well as a pride in winning a championship with the Spurs in 2005 for yourself personally? Yeah, i definitely say more of a pride. Now, that's a, that's a whole nother you know, animal like I, you know, I remember that year very well and I was playing a ton of minutes and we were that, you know, I was, I, there was a lot of times during that year I was playing the four. Hmm. Um, and I was, you know, mainly one, two or three, but I played the four times when we went small. Um, and then I, you know, obviously I had a back injury that, you know, kind of limited my minutes towards the playoffs, but you know, my, my role from LeBron was, you know, very different, uh, you know, with uh, Cleveland going through that drought. I don't know how long it was, maybe 52 years or whatever. Uh, him growing up there. Him, I mean, you, you're talking, that's a whole other animal. Uh, there was, you know, everybody was thinking he was going to go to Cleveland, you know, as soon as you, you know, two weeks after you heard that he was from that area. So, you know, him being able to do that is, you know, that was a tremendous, you know, feat for himself. Um, but mine, mine was just, I'm, you know, it, uh, mine was more pride, you know, being from San Antonio, uh, you know, now still walking around here, uh, and people still saying, man, congratulations on that title, uh, much respect, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, mine just had to deal with more pride because, you know, I just had to not upset pop and I would have been fine you know, uh, out there when I was playing. So, yeah, ours, same same concept as far as being a hometown, but, you know, two two different uh, aspects of how you look at it. You signed a one-year deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, back in 2007. You played in 70 regular season games uh, with the land. Uh, you started in 20 of them, and you averaged 7.5 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 2.2 assists. And uh, you did score a, a season-high 20 points against Sacramento Kings. Uh, and you almost messed around and got a triple-double. Uh, you were three assists away from uh, getting a triple-double against the Washington Wizards uh, back in February of 2008. What are your recollections of playing in Cleveland, especially with uh, LeBron James? Well, it, it was very cold. I'll tell you that right off the bat. It was very cold. Um, but... That was another, you know, great time. Uh, obviously, when you're playing with a, you know, a guy like LeBron, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, we both wore headbands. This, this is just, you know, funny. But, you know, you're sitting in the film room, you're watching stuff, and you see someone with a headband driving up the lane. And there were times I'm like, oh, man, that's me. And then he'd take off from, you know, the free throw line. I'm like, no, that wasn't me. That was the wrong guy with the headband. That was just a little joke for the show. But anyway, 
Um, no, LeBron, you know, the way he carries himself, um, the daily work that he puts in, uh, you can see why he's, I don't even know how many years he's been in the league, 15, 14, 15, I don't know, whatever. But you can see, you know, how he's able to play at this level because he started that way back, you know, in his younger days. It's not something where he played 10 years now and now he decides that he wants to take care of his body. He was doing that long before. Um, there's times when, you know, you would show up uh, to a practice, you know, an hour and a half before, and he'd already be in a full sweat, uh, you know, going through his workouts and things like that. That definitely sets a tone for your basketball program. And those are things that he took serious. Um, and those are things that, uh, you know, really, you know, gave us an opportunity to do our best. Now, you can't always, you know, have other players make shots or you can't always get on LeBron about, you know, some of the plays that he would make down the stretch uh, as far as the correct basketball play. Because I remember, you know, they used to hammer him pretty good about the in-the-game situations. Oh, you should take the shot. Oh, you should take the shot. Well, that's not what we're saying in the locker room. What we're saying in the locker room when LeBron has the ball is everybody be ready because LeBron is going to make the correct basketball play. All right? So, you know, playing and looking back at it and, 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 and seeing, you know, you know, just everything that he had to go through on a daily basis because, you know, a lot of guys in that locker room with Cleveland, you know, you can go out there and, and, and stink the gym up. Guess what? After the game, you're able to walk out of there, you get your shower, you walk out of there, you get on, get on the bus, and you say, you know what? I got to be, get better next game. Well, that's mm -hmm. not what LeBron could do. LeBron would be in there, you know, doing interviews for about an hour afterwards, trying to explain to everybody, hearing all the questions. So he has a lot to deal with. And for him to be able to do this after 15, 16 years, you got to give the guy a lot of credit. I want to ask, uh, uh, he's, LeBron is methodical. I want to ask you, um, those handshakes back in the day. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. I mean, how do how do you guys go through that process to plan the handshake? Like, is it a whole thing? Walk me through that. <laughs> uh, okay. So I wasn't the hippest on our team. I'm more, uh, you know, hey, it's time to go in the game. Let's go in the game. Let's crack some heads. Let's get a W. Right. I had one handshake, very basic with LeBron. Okay. But the rest of the guys, I'm going to give you a firm handshake. And they knew that. So they right. caught on to that. So I, I'm just giving firm handshakes. And they're going through their spill. And everybody's got all these different things. And I'm sitting here going, I don't know how they remember all this stuff. And especially, you know, especially LeBron, because there were times with former teammates of ours that he would just go right through the handshake with everybody and and everybody on our team and coaches and staff members, and I'm like, I, I don't – I have no idea how they all remember that stuff. Um, and so I'm being completely honest with you. I'd give you a firm handshake and a, a, and a nod, and that means let's go out here and get a win. Um, but, I, yeah, I give those guys credit because they had fun with that. Um, 
and it was a big deal because we we got a lot of press about that. So yeah, they they had a great you know time with that. But yeah, I I still to this day do not know how those guys remembered all that stuff. But like, how do you guys? Re- when do you rehearse it? Is it on a team plane? Is it after practice? Well, Is that's what like- I'm saying. Every now and again at practice, you would see a couple of guys saying, okay, this is what we're going to do, or, hey, let's mix it up, or whatever. But it wasn't all the time. I mean, I have no idea when they were going over that. <laughs> I always thought that was cool. Again, I was in college at the time, and I'm looking, I mean, obviously you know it from AAU or from watch. you know, I feel like that's AAU culture infiltrated into the NBA, which is good, you know, as far as, you know, you just your homeboy, you, you guys got different handshakes, you give dap, you keep it moving. I mean, I remember when him and Damon or it might have been it was it might have been him and Damon Jones in Cleveland or it was LeBron and, and Wade in Miami when they had the mirror, the pretend mirror, right before the game. And they were looking at the mirror making sure they were straight. No, that was that was in that was in Cleveland. That that was that was him and Damon. That was definitely okay. him and Damon, yeah. That was him and Damon. Because I remember them doing that. Uh, when we were playing the Wizards on the road. Um, obviously, they did it a couple of times, but one of the ones that stands out in my mind is when we were getting ready to play the Wizards in uh, game three, mm-hmm. uh, and they were doing that. Yeah, absolutely. To me, that, that that's awesome memory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. Scoopy Radio on the line with Devin Brown talking about his journey, talking about the NBA, and talking about the difference between it being cold in Cleveland and warm in San Antonio and, and, and weathering the storm. When you look at the NBA currently um, mm-hmm. versus when you played, do you think um, that it was a natural progression uh, as far as uh, kind of you guys as the Spurs running the half court versus now the Warriors are just taking threes and within a methodical standpoint, do you, are you surprised by the progression or, or do you think it was a natural progression? Um, no, you, you know, the, I'll tell you what, when we were running our offense with the Spurs, if Tim got doubled and the ball gets swung to the top, everybody knew, you know, if you don't have the shot at the top, they get swung to the wing and then it was corner for a corner three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I'm trying to get inside Steve Kerr's mind, well, we have to play to what we have. So they're dominant at the one, the two, and the three. Obviously, the last couple of games, Boogie, Boogie Cousins is you know, back now. So you're able to, you know, you can throw it down there 15, 20 times a game if you want and get something very productive, which I think they'll put that into the offense because think about it. Are you going to double team him? Because if you throw it out, you got three great shooters, not good shooters, great shooters. So that's, that, that's how you do that there. Um, so if I'm, if I'm getting in the mind of Steve Kerr, it's, uh, you know, we got these great wing players. I can design plays for threes all over the court. So that opens it up. Whereas with the Spurs, you kind of wanted that, that three from the corner. Because that's where your higher percentages were. Myself, Bruce Bowen, Brent Berry, guys like that. So now, it, now Steve's like, okay, and, and then you let's open it up a little bit. I just don't want to come down and throw it inside. Why would I do that? I got all these. Okay, so I got these guys. So now Steve is because the plays they were running last night. I'm sitting here going, 
oh my God, all these plays are designed to get three pointers strictly. So if there's if what I'm saying is if a guy comes off and he doesn't have the wide open three, there's going to be a gentleman right there to set a pick for him. Anybody helps you get the kick out. It's threes. It's just threes, threes, threes. Right. All right. For what is what Golden State's doing right now. So I see similarities in the offense that Steve is running. But as opposed to what San Antonio used to do, as far as trying to get the ball inside, Steve feels very comfortable behind that three-point line with just his personnel. So I, you, you can kind of see it, you know, evolving. But, hey, you have to you, – you, your team is based on, on your personnel. So with what Golden State has – as far as how their players can shoot the ball outside, it just makes sense what they're doing. I mean, it, it just – it totally makes sense. Are you interested in coaching? No, I um, – I mean, you know, I, I have coached my son's team, um, mm-hmm. and they were – here's another funny thing for you. They were 10 and 11, and the first four plays I put in – were Spurs plays, and <laughs> I was screaming and yelling at them because they weren't executing them. Right. But then I, and, you know, of course, my assistant coach is like, uh, Devin, you're not coaching the Spurs. These guys are 10 years old. So I had to step away from coaching. I just, you know, especially at that level. But, you know, I, I, uh, I wouldn't mind doing it, you know, just because I don't mind breaking down film. Uh, I don't mind, you know, dissecting, you know, players as far as what they can do, what they can't do, what they've been doing, you know, the last five or 10 games or whatever. I don't mind doing that, but, uh, it's not something I'm just enjoying myself, uh, right now. And so it's, it's not something that I've, uh, has come up, but I wouldn't mind coaching. No. I like it. Scoopy radio on the line talking with Devin Brown. Uh, you're doing the, the, uh, you're working in the agency. Uh, you reflected on your basketball career. What else is next? What else is next? Uh, well, I do play golf, and I have played golf. I played golf in my career. Um, if we break it down, Pop said, I don't want to see you bring your club to the plane again. I remember that happening. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about that. What happened? Oh, well, we were going to Phoenix, and then we had, like, two or three days off at in uh, Oakland when we were going to play Golden State. So I was like, you know what? I'm taking my clubs. I'm going to golf up there, maybe at Pebble. And uh, I was getting off the plane, and one of the security guards said, why don't you look towards the middle of the plane at that window? Do you see a familiar face? And I did. And Pop was looking at me, and Pop came. And was getting off the plane, he was like, "What do you think you're doing?" And I said, "I apologize. I'll put him. I'll put him back. I put him right back in the back of my truck." I said, "Oh my goodness!" Whereas opposed to, I played for uh, Byron Scott, and we would have uh, days off. And Byron was like, "Hey Devin, make sure you bring your clubs. We got two or three days off." I'm like, "I got them, Coach." So you know, it just depends. I know, you know, uh, Golden State. Steve Kerr plays golf. I know Steph plays golf. Uh, I don't know who. I think Andre Godoglu plays golf. So I know he doesn't mind, you know, especially when you win games 
uh, letting those guys, you know, have a day where they go out and get their mind off basketball and play around the golf. Absolutely. Um, but that, you know, I like that. I, I play a lot of golf, so I really, that's what I'm doing. I, I like uh, golf. What are you hitting in golf these days? Oh God. I, I shot 81 yesterday, but it wasn't a pretty 81. <laughs> um, so I mean, I've, I've been around, I have not shot under par. So whether it's 71, whether it's 70, whether it's 72, whatever the course as I have not done that, you know, I've shot in plenty of 73s, couple 75s, but I have not been able to, you know, really throw a great number out like that. You mentioned Greg Popovich uh, talking about what the heck are you doing? Um, I firsthand got a chance to interview Coach um, and his and his humor and his candor together. Um, I appreciate it a lot. He talked about Trump. He talked about um, he talked about Thomas Jefferson. Um, uh-huh. I told him that um, you know, General. I, when I was in high school, I read uh, a book on General Douglas MacArthur. Um, right. And in high school, and how much reading that book, the autobiography of Douglas MacArthur, and how much it reminded me when I read it, it reminded me of Coach Park. And um, I asked him who he looked up to uh, when he was growing up, and celebrities are just people locally. He said he looked up to people locally um, because he doesn't know celebrities. He said people have uh, people, man, have feet of clay; they can break. Um, right. When you look at Greg Popovich uh, and his humor as well as his honesty, which do you appreciate more? Uh, just his honesty, uh, you know, Pop. Pop is one of those coaches that, you know, he, he's going to be completely straight up and down with you. And that's A to Z. That's just not, you know, obviously, you know, there were a lot of times, you know, him and Tim would have their private conversations or him and Manu or him and Tony or the three of them or, you know, whatever the case may be. But Pop did a What I really appreciated was Pop would always – come up and he'd say, Devin, you see that guy right over there? And he could be talking about Manu. He could be talking about Bruce, Steve Smith. These are all guys that play. Whoever it was at that when you see those guys, he's like, I want you to get after their ass. You get after their ass today. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the head coach. That's, that's one of the legendary coaches telling you to get after them. So of course that's what you do. So he he on down the line. I mean it 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 was for everybody, and uh, you know obviously you know he is the funny. I mean he's everybody you know you know he's the funny guy, and if you don't understand or if you you know haven't been around him, there's a lot of people that don't understand you know some of the press conferences that he has, but you have to realize at the end of the day where that comes from is. Everybody, well, a lot of people can play uh, high school basketball. You know, you're blessed, you go to the next level. But mm-hmm. then after that, when you get to the NBA, you have all these grown men chasing the basketball around, getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do it. Hmm. A lot of times, shoot, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> when you have, When you're in the regular world, and you have a bad day or a, let's say a bad week, which in the NBA is two or three games. 
your boss is going to come in that office at work and he's going to say, I have got to make a move. Your production isn't there. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen a lot at the NBA. Hmm. You have 82 games. You have, let's say you have four or five bad games and you come back with five or six good games after that. Guess what? Nobody's going to really remember those bad games. They're going to remember what you got going on now. Hmm. And this goes on year after year after year. You're able to play as a grown man, play the game that you've been playing your whole life. And guess what? When you get a little security, now you're able to go out there with no worries on your mind. I'm good. Family's good. That's how you're able to go out there and relax and play and enjoy the game. So, you know, that's what it is. You said a mouthful. I'm going to end it right there, brother. Thank you so much for joining Scoopy Radio. Where can people find out more information about uh, the sports agency? Just go to uh, Devin Brown at fsm.com. Look us up. Uh, we got a great thing going. We would love for any players that are out there listening to us. Uh, look us up. We got something great going on. We got a lot of passion for it. Uh, I have a lot of passion for it to help players, you know, get better, um, play at that level, make money for your family. Not for us. It's not about us. It's about your family and your well-being. And at the end of the day, when you retire, <laughs> you can help others out. That's what we're about. Um, I'll tell you what, Scoop, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, good brother. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Scoop B Radio. Hey, everyone. It's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosa 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.